Hey, go ahead and uh, grab a seat. And uh, hey, I want you to help me welcome. Uh, we have our fifth and sixth graders in here with us this morning. And they're all over here. Will you help me to welcome them? Amen. Hey, this morning, we are continuing in our study from the book of Ruth. And what we're talking about is finding hope, finding hope. And, uh, and, and what we're finding as we look into this story is, is it's when we move from that which we know to the unknown that God is calling us to, that God uh, prepositions his provision in the middle of our unknown. And, and that's what helps us to discover incredible hope in following Jesus Christ. And so this morning, even as we just kind of jump into this text, we're going to be in Ruth chapter 2, so go ahead and open your Bible. And, and I want you to start thinking in terms of what is my unknown? I know what I know, uh, but, but what is that thing that God is leading you to do that you've resisted because you're saying, man, I just don't know about that. I mean, what is it? What is your unknown? Maybe the unknown is serving in some ministry. Maybe the unknown is sticking it out in your marriage. What's that going to look like if I do that? Maybe your unknown is just embracing greater generosity. Maybe the unknown is forgiving someone who has offended you. But I want you to be thinking right now, all the way through the message, what is my unknown? Because if we get to the end of this message and you don't know what your unknown is that God is calling you to, and there's no commitment in your heart, I'm going to move from what I know uh, into the unknown that Jesus is calling me to. If you're not saying that, doing that by the end of this message, you're gonna miss out on the provision that God prepositions right in the middle of your unknown. And I don't want you to miss out on the blessings of God or the hope that he gives you. I'll tell you, Kim and I experienced uh, a season in our life where we really did move from that which we know to the unknown that Jesus was calling us to. We were serving uh, a church in Columbus, Georgia, and, and uh, we were associate pastor there, and, and, and we just sensed God calling us to, to make a move, and, and I felt led to pastor a church. And, and so, you know, what we knew is uh, we had three children. That was a known. And the children's ages were one, three, and five. So what we knew is uh, that, that we really wanted God to move us to the North Texas area because that's where grandparents were and siblings were, family was. And, and, and so we're really praying, God, uh, would you just, this is what we know, would you lead us there? And, and God said, oh, well, okay, how about Texas? But, but instead of North Texas, how about South Texas? And, and we're like, where? Uh, McAllen. We looked it up on a map. Columbus, Georgia is 14 hours away from North Texas. McAllen is 10 hours away. And we're like, oh, God, you're so sweet and kind. Thank you. That's like next door. Yeah, absolutely. And so we had a choice to make. Are we going to move from what we know we want and need into the unknown that God was leading us to? Or are we just going to bail out on God? And I'm telling you, we, we, you know, okay, God, we trust you. We'll step into the unknown of where you're calling us. And, and, and I'm telling you, what surprised us both is the way God so thoroughly had planted, prepositioned his blessing in the middle of our unknown. We get there, and, and we're so worried about our kids growing up without grandparents, and there's this couple 
couple there who, who they had kids, but they didn't have grandkids. And God just granted us favor in their eyes. And I'm telling you, they adopted our kids as their grandkids. And if Kim and I wanted to get away for a night or two and go down to, to South Padre Island, I mean, they were more than willing to keep them at Christmas time. They bought our kids more gifts than we did. We even backed off on it. And we're like, dude, they're, they're gonna get enough from their you know, grandparents in South Texas. It's pretty cool. I love this. But what we didn't expect is how God would also just surround us with family. I mean, you know, friends that are really more than friends in their family. I mean, just uh, these couples around us, their kids, same age as our kids, and pretty soon we've adopted their kids, they've adopted our kids, our kids spend the night at their house, their kids spend the night at our house. I mean, these are friends that are still family, and we still vacation with them to this day. We had no idea when we're standing over here in the middle of what we know, God, we've got to go to North Texas. Did I mention we had three kids, ages one, three, and five? And we're in the middle of our known, and God leads us to this unknown, and, and, and we just experience the blessing of God. See, that's, that's what I want you to get today, uh, that, that when you follow God into the unknown, it's when you experience God's blessing. So, so last week we started in the book of Ruth in chapter one and, and Ivy introduced us to Ruth. And, and by the way, didn't Ivy do a great job? We thank God for Ivy, amen. Now listen, as we heard last week, uh, there's this man named Elimelech, there's this uh, famine going on in Bethlehem. So he moves his wife, Naomi, and his two sons to Moab. Uh, in Moab, his two sons marry Moabite women, uh, over the course of 10 years, Elimelech and his two sons die, leaving three widows in their wake. Over the course of time, Ruth, Naomi decides she's gonna move back to Bethlehem and Ruth accompanies her. And so now we make it to Ruth chapter two. Do you have your Bible open? And what we're gonna see is Ruth followed God from the known, which was Moab, to the unknown, which was Bethlehem. And you will see how God prepositioned his provision right there in the middle of Ruth's unknown. If you would, grab your Bible and just follow along silently as I read. And we're gonna read the first 13 verses. Look at this. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter, so she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you, and they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came, came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. 
Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. As we read this text, what I hope and pray um, that you walk away with what I believe God is wanting us to hear today is this, following Jesus into the unknown positions you to be surprised by his provision. Let's kind of break that down. First of all, I just want you to notice how Ruth really did follow uh, the Lord from the known into the unknown. Notice how it says, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I have found favor. And so uh, more than likely, Ruth had been gleaning in Moab. You gotta understand this is a day before social security, a day before retirement accounts. And, and if you don't work, you don't eat in that day. And, and it's a patriarchal society, so it's really hard for a woman to go outside of the home and work at a job and earn an income. And, and so about all that was left to Ruth to provide for her and Naomi was to glean. And so she goes and she gleans in the fields around Bethlehem. She's doing the only thing that she senses the Lord leading her to do, which brings up an important point. You have to do what Jesus leads you to do before God will surprise you with his provision. Now, now you got to understand, gleaning is hard work. The reapers would go out and, and they would grab a hold of these stalks of grain and they'd have a sickle in the other hand and they'd cut it and they'd lay that down in neat rows. Somebody else would come and gather up the bundles and tie them together in a larger bundle and they would carry them away. And, and so it's a very neat process. So the gleaner, that's Ruth in the story, the gleaner comes along and there's no stalks of grain, there's just heads of grain that have maybe fallen off. And, and, and it's a really hard thing to eke out a living just by gleaning. As a matter of fact, one of the sources that I read suggested that trying to eke out a living by gleaning is kind of like eking out a living in our day by collecting aluminum cans. Pretty challenging. So I want you to think about that. She gets there in the middle of her unknown and what God leads her to do and what she does uh, is gleans. And gleaning is not an abundance. Gleaning is not a feast. Gleaning provides at most daily bread. Gleaning provides a meager meal. And that brings up such an important point. God promises to meet your needs. When you follow him from the known to the unknown, he promises to meet your needs. He does not promise to provide all the things that you want. 
See, you and I want a lot of things, right? You may want to eat in a fine restaurant. You may want to cook your meals in a high-end kitchen. But God doesn't promise when you follow him into the unknown of his calling on your life that that he's going to provide all of your wants. What he provides is your needs, and and that's daily bread. Uh, You may want to eat at the finest restaurant, but what he says is, hey, today it may be salads and go. Or, Or Subway sandwich. And that's why it's really important that we understand that we have to decide whether Jesus is enough to satisfy the gap between our needs and our wants. We all have needs, and God says, got it. But every one of us has wants that go beyond our needs. And we have to decide, is Jesus enough to fill the gap between what I actually need and what I actually want? And some of you, and sometimes I, get frustrated at God because even though he has provided my needs, he stubbornly refuses to give me what I want. And and that's something we've got to think through. If we're going to follow God from the known to the unknown, we got to understand God's not promising uh, to give us everything we want over there. Do you, ever, do, do you ever experience your wants exceeding your needs? You look at Instagram, some of the social media, and you see what the others are wearing and what the others are doing and uh, where they're going and what they're driving and, and where they're living. And, and you see the view out their backyard and, and you start thinking, I want that. Anybody in here besides me ever do that? Yeah, well, thank you. One honest person in the crowd. Because every one of us have been there. And then we get frustrated with God because he's given us what we need, but he won't give us what we want. Now, here's the deal. Ruth follows God from the known into the unknown, and God begins to meet her needs, gleaning. But but I want you to notice how God didn't just stop there. He surprises Ruth with his incredible provision smack dab in the middle of Ruth's unknown. Look again at verse one. Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Now you gotta understand, there's no indication in the text. As a matter of fact, the text is fairly clear. Uh, Ruth had no idea where she was going to glean. It's not like uh, Naomi had said, hey, there's this dude named Boaz. He's actually a relative. He could be a redeemer. He's a worthy man. Go find his field. No, no, no. Uh, There's all these fields, and Ruth is just going like, okay, this looks like a good field. And she starts gleaning in that field. And then it just so happens. I mean, what an amazing coincidence. Uh, Boy, can't she thank her lucky stars that she ends up in Boaz's field and that Boaz is a relative in line to be a redeemer. More on that next week. That Boaz is a worthy man. I mean, what a stroke of luck, right? Wrong. See, God prepositions his provision in the middle of our unknown, and that's what he did for Ruth. And Kim and I experienced that on the move to McAllen, and you have experienced that in your life. Listen to me. You and I need to be wiser When it comes to the blessings of God and the provision of God and stop 
over here in the middle of your unknown, when God begins to meet your needs and provide for your needs, stop calling that a coincidence because that's not a coincidence. Stop thanking your lucky stars because your lucky stars had nothing to do with it. Stop thanking a stroke of luck because a stroke of luck didn't have anything to do with it. Man, just a chance of fate. No, it's not a chance of fate. It is not a coincidence. It's a God incidence. It's God showing up and showing off. Amen? And you and I need to learn to stop and say with every good and perfect gift that comes from, anybody know? Above. We need to learn to stop and say, thank you, Lord. I've got a friend, anytime anything good happens in his life, man, he'll tell me about it and I'll say, man, what a blessing. That's so awesome. And he just writes, thank you, Lord, in the text. I'm telling you, we need to become not a church of uh, thank your lucky stars. We need to become a thank you, Lord, church. Because God is in the business of providing his provision in the middle of our unknown. But let me tell you the most exciting part of the text for me personally. Look, look at the, verse 10. Ruth says, why have I found favor in your eyes? You know she's not talking to the Lord here. She's talking, who's she talking to, you know? Boaz, how, how have I found favor in your eyes, Boaz? This is so encouraging to me. We know that Ruth believed in God. Ruth chapter one, verse 16. Your God shall be my God. Ruth had already made the decision. Man, I'm gonna leave my gods in Moab, the God of Chemosh. I'm gonna leave these false guys. I'm gonna embrace the God of Naomi. I'm gonna embrace the one true God. And now she's over here in the middle of her unknown and now all of a sudden God is providing and she's in the middle of Boaz's field and Boaz is providing for her and Boaz is protecting her. But she doesn't yet connect believing in God, following God into the unknown and the provision of God. And that's encouraging to me because it tells me you don't have to be a Bible study to experience the blessing of God in your life. The reality is you don't even have to understand God to follow God into the unknown that he's leading you to. You just follow and God takes care of the rest. God knows how to pre-position his provision in the middle of our unknown. See, we need to learn a no-net kind of faith, right? We don't have to understand everything about the unknown. We don't even really have to understand how God's gonna provide in the unknown. God, you're calling me to get into that minute. God, you're calling me to forgive that person. God, you're calling me to greater generosity. God, you're calling me to stick it out in this marriage. God, you're calling me here. And so God, I'm gonna go there, and God, I'm gonna go there with no net, no plan B. I'm gonna burn the ships. No escape, no plan B. That's what a guy by the name of Herman Cortez did, you know. He was living in Cuba at the time. The year was 1519. The new world had been discovered, 1492. Columbus sailed, y'all remember? The ocean blue, y'all remember that song still? Or sang, whatever, I don't know. I make it into a song. And so now he's in, he's in Cuba, and he's from Spain, and he set sail from Cuba to Mexico with 500 men and 11 ships. You know why he was sailing to Mexico? I mean, not nothing, no, no big deal. He was just going to conquer all of Mexico with 500 men and 11 ships. 
And so he first lands in Tabasco and then sails up the coast of Veracruz. And then you know what the guy does? He's gonna claim this country for Spain. And so he has his ships sunk. Most historians believe by burning the ships. And he's telling his guys, hey guys, listen, there's no escape, no surrender. Either we die in Mexico or we take Mexico for Spain. Now I have no idea if he had faith in God. Probably didn't. I don't know anything about him beyond that. But I do know that if you and I embrace that kind of no net faith, that kind of no plan B faith, if we just start saying, God, we're gonna, to follow you into the unknown that you're calling us to, then here's what we begin to experience. The provision of a God who is good. The provision of a God who is for us. The provision of a God whose provision is bigger than our need. The provision of a God who supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. See, when we embrace a no-net kind of faith, here's what happens. We begin to follow God into any unknown, and we begin to experience the provision of God smack dab in the middle of the unknown that he calls us to. So let me ask you a question. What, what is the unknown that God's calling you to? I mean, you're sitting right here in the middle of what you know, and you clearly just feel the Spirit of God nudging you over here to your unknown, but you're like, I don't know. Too many questions, too many unanswered questions, too many uncertainties over there. Where, where's God calling you to follow him into the unknown? Let me give you a couple of thoughts and then you fill in the blank. Let the Holy Spirit fill in the blank in your life, okay? For some of you this morning, it may just be that the unknown that God is calling you to step into is getting married. You've been dating for five years. Or maybe you're just living together. And, and, and you know what you know, uh, you know fear. Uh, if I go to an altar, I mean, wait, 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 wait. And that's a kind of a taking a big step here. I mean, right now, uh, what, we're doing fine. Uh, right now, there's maximum flexibility. Right now, uh, we can get in, we can get out. No fuss, no muss. No attorneys. No divorce, we, we, just, we just call it a day and move on. Uh, see, see, what I know is my fear. My fear is we may not be compatible down the road. My fear is I may want out. My fear is, hey, I may not be able to afford this whole marriage thing because then what if kids come along? And if kids come along, then there's, then there's college that follows after that and cars and uh, there's mortgages. And, and what if we can't afford it? What if we're not compatible? What if we end up not liking each other? What if somebody better comes along? I mean, if you can't be with the one you love, just love the one you're with. And I can't do that if I get married. See, that's what you know. But the unknown that God's calling you to over here, now that, that, that's different because over here in the unknown is this whole idea of till death do you part. And you're thinking, I don't know if I'm ready for till death do you part. How do you actually love somebody for 20 years? Don't you get bored? 
And don't even get me started on sticking around for 30, 40, or 50 plus years. Oh, no, 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 that's not me. And so, so the unknown is till death do you part. The unknown is this thing called covenant love, for better or for worse. This covenant love that says, hey, wait a minute, the primary purpose of marriage is not to make you happy, but to make you holy. And you're going, I wanna be happy. And so why do I wanna step from what I know into the unknown of marriage? Remember Boaz's field? Remember God's provision smack dab in the middle of your unknown? See, when you... Recognize that God created marriage, God loves marriage. Then you begin to experience the provision of God in the midst of the unknown called marriage because all of a sudden there's this incredible blessing that comes from being in a covenant relationship that's not based on feelings or looks or hey, I feel like I love you. Hey, I feel like I fell out of love with you. No, 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 no. Covenant love is truly for better or for worse. Covenant love says, you know what? I'm gonna get to know you better than anyone else on this planet, but in spite of the fact that I'm, I'm gonna know you warts and all. I want you to know this. I'm in it for the long haul and I'm going to love you. Covenant love says this. You ever heard in 1 Corinthians 13, love hopes all things? That just means that love doesn't just look at who you are. Love looks at who you're going to be when God gets through with you. Amen? And covenant love says, I'm in it for the long haul because you are the way you are, but you're not yet the way you're going to be. And I'm sticking it out because I believe in you and I love you. And I'm gonna be here with you and for you. But remember this, remember this. To experience the provision of God, Ruth had to move from what she knew to the unknown of Bethlehem. And then she experienced Boaz's field. In other words, obedience precedes provision. The altar precedes the blessing. God's not going to provide what you need before you need it. Can we say amen to that and I'll move on to the next point? Amen. Maybe your unknown isn't getting married. Maybe your unknown is that you're already married and you got kids at home. And the unknown is just embracing this season of life and not just enduring it, embracing it. I mean, the reality is uh, what you know is that life is hard. What you know is you got no time for yourself during this season. What you know is that life is expensive and kids are demanding. What you know is that you and your spouse or maybe it's you and your ex and you're a single parent fight way too much. And what you know is you don't even know if you're gonna be able to stick it out. You don't even know if you're gonna be able to survive the next 10, 15, 18 years. But the unknown, the unknown that God's calling you to is even during this season to embrace it, during this season to embrace loving God. And you're thinking, that's unknown. How in the world am I gonna love God when I don't even have time for myself? I'm just trying to keep my kids alive. How am I going to love others, uh, my husband, my wife? My, how am I going to love my kids? 
How am I gonna teach my kids to follow Jesus? How am I gonna show the people around me that following Jesus is actually worth it when I'm having doubts myself? But don't forget about Boaz's field. When you wake up every morning and you just say, God, I followed you into the unknown and I need you to lead me to Boaz's field today. God, I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna give out. I'm not gonna withdraw. I'm not gonna quit. I'm not gonna walk out. I am here and I'm in it for the long haul and I just need you to show up and I need you to lead me to Boaz's field. I need your provision during this season of my life. Let me tell you what you do. God leads you to Boaz's field and you experience a God who loves you. You experience a God who is there, a God who provides, a God who shows you joy, a God who shows you these little God moments between you and your husband, between you and your kids. He just shows up and he shows off and he generally shows up just in time. And remember, he generally shows up and provides what you need and you're still sitting here going, well, I'd kind of want this. And God's going, I know, I know. Am I enough to fill the gap between what you need and what you want? And can I show you a graph that just made so much sense to me uh, this last week? I read this book, um, just incredible book. I mean, just it just talks about going from strength to strength. It's written by a guy named Arthur Brooks. It's a great book. Uh, he's a professor at Harvard, a devout Christian, uh, writes from a unique, more scientific style. And, and what he does, and he's done for the last 20 years, is he studies happiness. And you and I would maybe say joy, but he's writing more to a secular audience. And here's what we think. We think, I'm gonna trust in Jesus and I'm just gonna get happier and happier every day and every way because every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Yes! I'm gonna trust in Jesus and it's gonna be happily ever after. But then, here's the reality that you experience. You notice how you start off happy and it kind of starts going downhill. How many of y'all feel encouraged? Amen. And, and then, you know, you, you get over here and oh my goodness, maybe you get married, maybe you don't. You just start life and maybe kids come along, maybe they don't. Maybe there's a mortgage, I don't know, and car and life and stress. And, and then you notice how over here, about 50, that things start picking back up. You know, about the time maybe, I don't know, just saying, uh, empty nest, kids moving out. I'm just, just speculating. Just speculating here, I don't know. And, and then just kind of life. You know what, I, I just saw this, and I saw this graph and I'm just thinking, man, you know what? You, you stick it out over here and in Boaz's field, God just provides what you need to survive. And guess what? And he tells you, hey, this too shall pass. The, the, there's gonna be some amazing days that are coming and you stick it out and you may get to experience what I saw this past week. There's a young man in our church, 26 years old. He's been asked to do a wedding. 
And he asked us to license him to do the wedding. And I got to meet with him and his wife and his baby and his parents are there. And, and just think about it. He's walking with Jesus. He's a leader in our young married group. And, and, and he's just walking with Jesus and following Jesus so that his friends, when they think of Jesus, when they think of somebody that could minister to them in a sacred moment of their life, they thought of him and they said, well, you do. He's not a minister. He's not on staff anymore. And, and they said, well, you do our ceremony. And his mom and dad are there and they're just beaming with pride because they followed Jesus into the unknown and God provided. And now they're getting the upward trend on that graph and they're saying, this is so worth it because coming out on the other side, our kid loves Jesus, is following Jesus, is leading others to follow Jesus. And I'm all in with Jesus. That's the unknown and the provision of God. One final one. And for everyone who's thinking it's noon, just so you know, I know. <laughs> and I sit in the pew with you and about noon, I start thinking, it's noon. <laughs> so land the plane. <laughs> but let me give you one more. Hang with me for this one and, and I'll land the plane. For some of you, the unknown is just taking a step of committing your life to be a follower of Jesus. See, what you hope is that all roads lead to heaven. If they don't, you may be in trouble. What you hope is God grades on a curve. If he doesn't, you know you're in trouble. Over here, what you know is your doubts. What if this whole Jesus thing is a fairy tale? What if God's not real? What if following Jesus works for others, but it doesn't work for me? See, what you know is your doubts and what you know is your fear. Uh, what if it is real? What if I do give my life to Jesus today? What if I do say, okay, I confess you as my Lord. I make you the king of my life. I position my life under your authority. I will follow you. You will become literally the boss of my life. What your fear is, will Jesus, if you begin to give him charge of your life and you begin to follow him, will he make you a laughing stock in front of your friends? Will he steal all of your joy? Because, hey, let's admit it, man, seems like a whole lot more don'ts in following Jesus than do's. See, what you fear is, will Jesus make me confront the darkest parts of my soul, the darkest parts that I don't even want to face or admit to myself? Can I just say to you, don't forget, God prepositions his provision in the middle of your unknown. See, today, if you move from what you know to the unknown of giving your life to Jesus, let me tell you what happens over here. You are, you're gonna end up in the middle of Boaz's field. In the middle of Boaz's field, there's God's provision. And God's provision is you get to move from a place of guilt to a place of grace because you're gonna be coming to God saying, God, here I am, warts and all, my sins, past, present, and future. And God, if you want me, I'm giving myself to you. And you're my Lord, my God. And now you begin to understand grace, grace, 
grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all of my sin, and I'm moving from guilt to grace. And you know what else? The provision in Boaz's field. You get to move from, is this the end of the world? I mean, look at the turmoil in the Middle East. Look at the mess in our own country. I've had more people coming to me do you think this is the end of the world? You get to move from the fear that this is the end. Is this the end? To come, Lord Jesus, come. Because you see, the darker this world gets, the brighter heaven looks. The, the, the more messed up this world gets, the more you begin to anticipate, you know what, Jesus, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm gonna keep living for you, and when this is the end, guess what? I get to gain everything. The provision of God is you stop fearing the end, and you start praying, come, Lord Jesus, because I'm just a stranger in a strange land and I'm just passing through. Here's the final thing. You can step into the unknown when you know the God who knows what is unknown. Do you believe that this morning? If so, would you just say amen with me? Hey, let's pray and Richard's gonna dismiss us. Lord, thank you for the invitation to leave what we know and to follow you into the unknown. And Father, I just wanna end where I started. I pray right now that you would just show every one of us the unknown that you're calling us to. Is it forgiveness? Is it greater generosity? Is it to engage in some ministry, to volunteer? Is it to stick it out in our marriage? Is it to get married? Is it to confess you as our Savior? And Lord, my prayer is that this day we'll do what Ruth did. We'll move from the known of Boab, and Moab rather, but Lord, we'll move to the unknown of Bethlehem. And my prayer is, Lord, that as we do, we'll all experience your provision in Boaz's field. I pray it in Jesus' holy name, amen.